This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week, two amazing, spectacular people, Kate Scotchless. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. We're back. It's a regular episode. I'm sorry if you didn't like last week's episode, although we did get quite a few like positive feedbacks from it. I'm, I'm actually really excited about how that episode turned out. So, But nonetheless, we're back. We're recording not in person, far away from each other. I'm in New York. Nick and Kate are in Michigan, somewhere far away from each other as well. So it's all, everything's back to normal. I'm not looking at their faces. Um, but we're, you know, we're here. I want to give one quick shout out before we start the show. I want to say thank you to Brandon for backing us on Patreon. You're the latest Patreon backer. Thank you so much for your support. Without you, we wouldn't be able to do all the extra cool stuff that we do on the Patreon and future things that are coming on the show. So, Anyways, let's let's actually get into things. Let's talk about comic books. Let's talk about what we're excited for this upcoming week. That's not the thing we're doing. Let's talk about what we, we read recently. <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little bit off because we didn't do any of this in the last couple of weeks. So let's talk about what we've read. Let's talk about what we really liked and was enjoyable. Nick, let's start with you. Sure. And let us know how you've been as well. Yeah. <laughs> we don't care how he's we're just, been. We're just getting back on the horse here or, or yeah, attempting, I'm, failing. I'm falling. And yeah, <laughs> please, Nick, get us back into the regular swing of things. Sure. Things have been good. Things have been busy in equal parts. All the fun stuff of, you know, working and filling out applications and reading articles on business news websites about the seven fonts you should absolutely never use in an, in an application and the four um, page size margins your mom never told you about. Um, <laughs> it's basically BuzzFeed gotcha-like article names with the worst and most boring subject matter you can really get into Jeez. the sad part is i'm starting to pick out the finer articles from the um the not as good ones so it's like i'm starting to have some mm-hmm. weird stockholm syndrome appreciation for the the ones that i think are doing a better job i'm like yeah this one talks about meriwether font that's a that's a solid pick uh you know if you o- only pick ariel if you wanna you know if you're fucking casual so wow so it's been stuff like that. I've also obviously been getting around to, to reading some books and hanging out with family. I watched a Michigan game with my uncle yesterday, and so that was that was pretty good. Um, in terms of what I've been reading, uh, look, you know what? I, 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 I read the papers. I watch the TV. I know what's going around. I know what the mm-hmm. word is on the street. I hear what people are saying. Nick, we, we we really love Valiant. We love Valiant in ways that we can't express, which is why you never hear any of it. It's just a void of silence, but, we, you know, we're there. <laughs> and uh, maybe we don't love Valiant as much as you, but that's okay. Uh, we, we, we also, you know, uh, we, we'd like some new stuff. And so, you know what? I figured let's kill three birds with one stone here. Oh, wow. And uh, I'm going to deliver some new number one books that are non-Valiant, and Jeff Lemire and Matt Kent are not involved. So Whoa. So everyone get excited. Hold the phone. This yeah. is an I Read Comic Books exclusive an, non-Valiant an, announcement from exclusive. Nick White. Yeah, yeah. Don't worry. What I what My pick for next week will be all three of those things, but um, in terms of what I read. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I read Predator Hunters 2, number one. You gotta love dumb titles. I love them too. This is written by Chris Warner, uh, drawn by Augustin Padilla, colors by Niraj Menon, or Menon, and 
yes, this is a direct follow-up to Predator Hunters number one, written by the same author, different artist. Uh, Chris Warner has a pretty storied history in terms of Transformers books. He has written and drawn more than a fair amount of them for Dark Horse, where he's been for uh, largely for the last few decades. Um, he even created one of their bigger characters in Barbed Wire, and he drew one of their probably, if not their best, Predator story in Concrete Jungle. Um, so it's it, it follows up exactly where the last one left off, which is a pretty crazy conceit to begin with. Like, imagine at the end of Predator, if, like, Sinbad's rival from Jingle All the Way, you know who that is, uh, turned around and asked <laughs> everybody if they wanted, well, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, would... Uh, Maybe you guys know him for other movies, Nick, but like I always that think was the of his... weirdest way to call out Arnold Schwarzenegger I've ever heard in my life. I've heard other people know him from other things, but I just went with what I thought was most recognizable. Did you also just imply that Sinbad was the good guy in that movie? No, 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 no. All I said was that it was Sinbad's rival. Okay, okay. Sure. They both wanted that Atomic Man doll or, or whatever it was. And he, <laughs> oh my God, huh? you remember this movie way too well. Listen, I know exactly what Nick's talking about. I'm just ashamed of it. wanted that doll. <laughs> and he didn't get it. And look where he is now, okay? What is this so. book that you're talking about, Nick? What, yeah, what? anyway. So uh, just, just imagine that at the end of Predator, Arnold, Schwar- Arnold Schwarzenegger's like, hey, who wants to do this again? Which, of course, doesn't even make sense because everyone else is dead. Minor spoilers yeah. for Predator. So basically, it's a it's a crazy <laughs> concept because it's basically everyone saying, you know what, pretty much all of us died. Who wants to go try to hunt predators again? And at least realistically, a few people, like extras from the first run, are like, fuck this, I'm out, you know, which yeah. makes sense. But a few of them are like, yeah, let's go hunt predators. And then the person in charge is like, good news, we're going to Afghanistan because apparently predators have decided that the number one new target for them, you know, they're always looking for the deadliest prey and, you know, the best hunting experience. They've decided that taking out terrorist cells in Afghanistan is like their new thing. That's what predators are going after. Which begs the question... Should we really be stopping them from doing that? Well, I mean, they're I get aliens. That they're vigilantes, and... but yeah, but yeah. Anyway, if this doesn't sound fucking batshit insane, I don't know what does. That being said, very excited for issue number two. <laughs> this is so fucking crazy. And Dark Horse is a okay with publishing this. That's the best part. Yeah, yeah. Beyond that, I'm excited to read Leviathan. I'm sorry, not excited. I read it. I'm already excited. Uh, I read Leviathan number one. That's written by John Lehman, the guy who wrote Chew, and Nick Patara on art, who is perhaps best known for penciling the Manhattan Projects, mm-hmm. um, and Michael Garland on colors, which uh, anyone can fight me on this. And they, they probably, I know people are very opinionated on this topic. He is the most underrated colorist in comics. Sure. For me, he's, he's also a good friend mo- of the show. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. I mean, good friend of the show in that we talked to him one time at Emerald City Comic Con, and he was a super cool guy, and he was oh, really yeah. nice to talk to. His colors on Dying in the Dead are one of the best things ever. I so, agree. thankfully, this book, unlike um, Predator Hunters 2, uh, is very, very high concept. Basically, uh, you have a man named Ryan. He runs out of beer for a party he's holding. He goes to get more. Partygoers get bored. They we were result- talking about Leviathan, right? This is Leviathan, yeah. Okay. And they resort to occult practices and summon the titular beast, Leviathan. 
Okay. This is why you never, uh, this is why you prepare for your party. This is why you don't run out of beer. And this is why you don't let goth people come to your parties. Or at least you don't let them bring their little, um, you know, DIY occult magic circle set, you know, from Parker Brothers. You're saying goths are allowed, but they can't bring their candles, right? You got, they got to check that stuff at the door, okay? Absolutely. Like, you know how they have those, like, you know, the, the, you know, the magnetic, you know, the detector shit at the airport? Like, you yeah. have that for goths, and it, like, you know, they go through, and it, you, you have to take away their candles and, and all their other stuff. Tia's going to love this episode. Um, sure. So... As you might expect, uh, the beast just goes on to pretty much destroy everything in its path, and the military wants it dead. Um, but it's shiny, it's colorful, it's funny. I try not to use this phrase too much, but I think your mileage may vary in terms of the art. I realize Nick Katara's okay. artwork isn't for everyone, and sure. I think everything was so insane in Manhattan Projects that it was like, why not? But with, um, with Leviathan, it feels like he's at least trying to draw things that are a little bit more normal and so um it does stand out a bit and it's a kind of weird in that regard but um but that's what i've read what about you kate well i am currently living uh that back to school fall semester grad school life where i am currently working part-time going to grad school full-time doing my grad thesis project and working as a research assistant so I have not been reading. So what I did, other than what we'll talk about for the second half of the show, because um, I have no time, no time to sleep, no time to think, no time to mm-hmm. breathe. But it's I do have time, all day. so so much time to listen because I have a 45 minute each way commute out to work. So I listen to a lot of podcasts. So I actually checked out the new Wolverine The Long Night podcast, which is the scripted podcast serial um, that Marvel Comics is coming out with. Um, they're doing it with Stitcher Premium. Mm-hmm. And it's their first scripted podcast, but they um, have teased it that it's going to be the start of a new like interconnected podcast universe. Which okay. so that's interesting, right? And they haven't done a scripted like audio drama since the seventies when they did a Fantastic Four radio series, and they had that Spider Man <laughs> like concept album, which is a thing that exists that I'm sure Paul has. Uh, I'm gonna try to find that online and see if Xander can cut some of that into this because um, that sounds incredibly bad. Okay, Xander, <laughs> it's called Spider Man Rock Reflections of a Superhero. <laughs> Get on it. Once I was nothing but a failure Now I know just who I am Speaking of bad, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, it, the podcast is okay. I listened to two episodes. They're mm-hmm. each like 30, 40 minutes. And there's three currently out, and it's supposed to have 10 episodes. So okay. I'm clearly just at the beginning. Uh, but it's if someone said to you, Marvel's going to make a Wolverine podcast, that thing you just imagined in your head is what it is. Um, so it's. Two special agents are sent out to solve uh, to Alaska to solve some serial murders. Logan is the main suspect, and they have to uncover his dual identity because he's hiding the fact that he's a mutant. And of course, the town is corrupt, and Logan is trying to escape from society like he does, and is trying to recover 
you guessed it, lost memories. Oh, so no. <laughs> it's very new material that they're treading. But <laughs> at the same time, it's still... Um, oh, and don't don't worry. He is using his own brand of justice with his claws. Right. Snicked, right. snicked. It is still cool, though, to see them try and do something with the audio-only format. And there's just enough there that I hit play on episode two and will probably listen to episode three. Okay. I'm, I'm more interested in seeing what other characters they pick up other than Logan. I'll say I'm not a Logan, like, just Wolverine comic fan. I like him when he's in with, like, the team books and stuff. Sure. But just as a character it's one of those things where it's like we've heard the same Logan story 10 million times and I kind of wonder who they're thinking their target audience is for these if they're trying to appeal to the same people they appeal to with the comics um or his comics rather or if they had a different target audience for podcast listeners I really have Mm -hmm. no idea what pod demographics look like these days um because that would be interesting to know and might make some of their choices make more sense right do you, was this like is this like well acted i guess like i don't i i've listened to some fiction you know podcasts before but like you know i, I gotta imagine the iconic snicked sounds has like its own thing and like is it like an ensemble cast or is it yeah just like Wolverine it, it's, it, it is 100 okay. percent radio drama so it is oh, an cool. ensemble cast full sound effects and everything the mixing is done pretty well i mean i'm not an expert on these things sure um the voice acting is Kind of that put on radio drama type of thing, which mm-hmm. may or may not be your cup of tea. For me personally, it's not. I do listen to and really like fiction podcasts, but I like the ones that don't um, do the f- kind of fake voices. Things like Limetown and the Black Tapes, where they are doing just their own voice. And so if they want a different tone or tenor of voice, they just cast a different person um, gotcha. than the people who are clearly doing. I'm a rough, gruff voice. Like, <laughs> I was going to oh. ask you how rumbly Wolverine's voice so was because it sounds to me it's like, I'm the best you How long ago do. did they cast you in this role of Wolverine? Like, <laughs> oh, I've been I practicing mean, that rolled out for just literally a too minutes. Fast, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's Richard Armitage that's doing the voice. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So they like cast real like people. I guess I just, I don't know. It's definitely the stylized radio drama kind of thing which is kind of gets back to the i'm wondering who is the intended audience like it's clearly not for children because they're talking yeah. about graphic beheadings and stuff it sounds like they're trying to appeal Kids to that grow like up real cereal. fast these days you never know um, yeah the the crime it, it, it folk it almost sounds like they're f- trying to focus on the type of people that listen to podcasts that are like related to crime and real life murder and all that stuff you would think uh, but then Maybe it d- makes less sense to do the kind of over-the-top radio drama kind of voicing. Sure, sure. And those are also the people that might have heard this exact, you know, kind of story before about Wolverine mm-hmm. maybe 10,000 times. I just feel like I would have been more into it if they had come up with something a little more unique for the character. Okay. So Interesting. That's that's me. So what, what, would you recommend this to somebody, though? I would absolutely recommend it to people who find those Wolverine comics and really enjoy them. Like the solo okay. t- titles, if you're into those, you, I think you'll really like the podcast. Cool. Or if you just like those old-timey radio dramas. <laughs> yeah. I'm into the old, like, you know, 1930s Superman radio drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But, cool. <laughs> well, for, for me this week, uh, I read a handful of books. I actually read quite a bit since we've been 
you know, I've been off the show on and off for a little bit here. Um, I've been reading quite a bit of comics because I was traveling a lot. But the books that I do want to talk about that I read that I really enjoyed, um, I read Cemetery Beach Number 1 by Warren Ellis and Jason Howard. This is kind of a gimme for me, um, like a no-duh pick that I'm going to go with. Um, this is this is a really cool book. I don't know. I, I'm a sucker for Jason Howard's art and Warren Ellis's writing together. Um, this fits... They, they, they're combination of working together fits really well i think it's really impressive to see jason howard taking the full boat of not only penciling inking but also coloring doing all of the work for for the art side of this book which i thought was really cool um this feels like a like an urban sci-fi kind of book it screams a lot like planetary but less high concept um since we're fo- focusing on characters that are very low to the ground in terms of figuring things out they aren't part of some major huge secret society at least according to the first issue um, but the premise is basically at some point the united states or the world we found this portal to another dimension of where people can live and survive and we sent a base of humans to go live there and then the portal closed and somehow someone found their way to the other side to where this portal was and they're trying to gather intelligence and bring it back to the to the United States assuming um, but the people that live on the other side of this portal don't want any information to get out and so our, our main character rescues another person who's there and says hey I'm going back to earth can you kind of lead me around here because you live here and she's like sure I hate this place <laughs> and that's kind of the first issue um, without giving too much away the art is stupendous um and i mean jason howard's art to me working with warren ellis he's got this totally different feel and he has had it for a long time along with the book that they were working on together trees and i know trees isn't finished but really this is a really really good book to have between issues of trees like i, I think they're going to do cemetery beach they're going to finish this series then get back to trees i'm 100 percent okay with that i think the more we can get out of this team the better and honestly, I, I wouldn't want Jason Howard working on anything else but a Warren Ellis book at this point. Um, so I, as far as I know, also, Warren Ellis has said that Trees Volume 3 or the continuation of Volume 3 or conclusion of whatever was left. I haven't read that book in a while, so I don't recall. But um, it's in the books. It's in the mix. They're working on it. So I think Cemetery Beach might be finished as a series, like six issues, one and done. And then they're going to get back to Trees. So that's really exciting. Uh, the other book that I read was Black Hammer Age of Doom number five. This is Jeff Lemire and Dean Ormston, or Ormston, sorry. Uh, this is the continuation of the Black, Black Hammer series. This is the issue where shit really gets real. We start to get a lot of answers for, from all of the questions that people like myself who've been reading this book as well as all of the sister series. Um, I think this issue really, really, really pays off if you've been reading everything. If you've only been reading like the main Black Hammer storyline, this book is still like a fantastic issue. Like this is probably one of the best issues in the series, like in all of the books that have come out. Um, even though I do have a very, very like soft spot in my heart for the the Sherlock Frankenstein series that came out the yeah. mini series that talked about yeah. Lucy um Black Hammer's daughter but nonetheless this issue really really starts to open the doors to like what the fuck is actually going on here um we start to get some serious answers and I won't say any more to spoil it but boy oh boy it was one of the fastest issues I've read in a long time just to get all the information in probably warrants a second read just so that I can take in everything else um before issue six comes out so that's me. Getting all caught up on the Black Hammer series and all the various tie-ins that have come out since I've stopped having time in my life is definitely mm-hmm. one of the first things I'm going to do when I graduate in April. Okay, I hope that you can take like Thanksgiving break and just do that. <laughs> Thanksgiving that so break cool. is, is homework time and you know it. Oh no, oh no. 
uh well hopefully i mean that, that hopefully by the time you graduate like all the books and issues will be out so you're going to have like a very very fantastic graduation pre- present ready for yourself yeah my plan is just so i have a whole bunch of like the first the, all the stuff i have is in digital singles so i'm hoping that yeah. i can just pick up the rest of everything in digital singles hopefully on sale and mm-hmm. have it all that way so yeah it's it's so good. I mean, having read everything at this point, I caught up on the other series, the the quantum weird thing that happens quantum in the age. future. Quantum Age. Thank you, Nick. Uh, I've I've just read that as long as well as this other issue, and like, it's so good, guys. It's it's such a fantastic series. Jeff Lemire is doing some amazing work, um, and I feel like it. This is g- genuinely just like sitting under the radar, unless you're like in the comics sphere of things like we are. So I hope that this gets more attention as the series goes on. Yeah, and it's strange because we at the I Read Comic Books podcast don't usually like Jeff Lemire. <laughs> what is this? <laughs> yeah, Joe. This is a fun bit, Kate. Let's not continue it. Uh, <laughs> Listen, me and my Jeff Lemire cardboard cutout are going to have some words with you. <laughs> uh, cool. Well, let's talk about what we're excited for this upcoming week. Comic books are coming out on September 26th, 2018. Let's talk about what you're really looking forward to this week. Let's start with you, Kate. I'm looking forward to Stranger Things number one. Um, this is the new miniseries that Dark Horse is doing, uh, written by Jody Hauser, and it's following Will on his uh, journey, quote unquote, on in the Upside Down during season one. So mm-hmm. it's in the in the strong vein of fanfic everywhere, just filling in the part in the show that you didn't get to see, oh, which sure. I deeply enjoy. And uh, but it's, besides, it's Jody Hauser, like it's yeah. gonna be fucking awesome. Yeah, it's gonna be good. And then it has um, Stefano Martino on pencils, mm-hmm. uh, Keith Champagne as the inker, and Lauren Aff on colors. And you were saying the, before we started recording that like the art looks super good too, right? Yeah. Okay. So the usually for media tie-in stuff, the art is the big where it falls down, um, right. because you usually don't put your big budget art people on those because you know people are going to read it anyway um (laughs) or rather the people who are going to read it are going to read it anyway but in this case they clearly uh didn't go that route and the kids all look like the characters in the show and it it just looks much higher quality than a lot of the media tie-in that i've read Mm -hmm. uh, which is nice and also i wonder if that's because it's a mini series versus when they sign people on to do just the ongoing charmed series or doctor who or whatever else um that they do the entire like Ashcan like preview thing is up on dark horse's website if anyone wants to check it out before going to the shop which i i always appreciate about dark horse so that's Mm -hmm. how i was looking at the art yeah i mean if if you if you need more stranger things in your life and i know people definitely do who doesn't especially around now that it's halloween coming (laughs) (laughs) it's it's still september halloween is a feeling in our hearts that's a feeling in your heart i think you need to get that checked out yeah, okay i think you need to see your doctor about halloween yeah. in your heart yeah. if you or anyone you know has had lingering feelings of halloween please go to your local doctor okay fall is the best season i refuse to only celebrate halloween for the month of october since it's the mm-hmm. best month so now i'm gonna have it for two months this was decided and announced on september 1st i don't know mm-hmm. why you guys didn't hear about this already 
<laughs> well, okay, that I mean that sounds exciting. I, I I will admit the Stranger Things comic interests me enough to see like what kind of weird shit Jody Hauser is gonna put in the Upside Down. Oh yeah, uh, and that's that's really really cool. Oh, of all the people whose fanfic you want to read, of course it's Jody Hauser's. Right, exactly. She's real into she, like D and D and stuff, so you know it'll be good. Yeah, exactly. Uh, cool. Well, Nick, what are you excited for this upcoming week? Let me guess. It's a Valiant book? <laughs> well, um, one of my potential picks was Stranger Things. Um, I am pretty excited for it. I did pull it. I'm a little skeptical with the angle of like what happened to Will in the Upside Down because... A, I just don't know offhand if there's anything really, really, really interesting or hooky that it can generate, and I also wonder how much freedom slash leverage Netflix uh, gave Jody Hauser. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm like I've said before, I Dark Horse has a pretty good reputation when it comes to licensed properties, mm-hmm. and Jody Hauser, in my experience, I haven't read a lot of her stuff, but I've read an okay amount. I think it will be okay. Like I said, I just the little angle that we're we're getting. I don't. I'm I'm very curious to see what she's going to do because at least from a just a casual perspective, it's sort of like I I don't know what I would do with that. You know what I mean? So, um, but I'm I'm excited to see where that goes. And I think Lauren Affey, if we want to continue to talk about really underrated colorists, she's right up there too. So I really like her work. Um, but uh, what I'm excited for this week is Harbinger Wars 2, Aftermath number 1. I just can't stop picking books with two numbers in the title. Uh, it's just how it is. Um, this is the final issue of Harbinger Wars 2. It is a, the one shot that will be concluding it. It's written by Matt Kint. The art is done by Adam Polina. Uh, for those unaware, uh, Adam Polina did the very first one shot that followed Secret Weapons called Secret Weapons Zero, the issue about Nikki Finch. Uh, that was him. Um, I don't think it's a coincidence that they picked him because his art looks a heck of a lot like Raul Allen's. So mm-hmm. that's a thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in, in that sense, you know, Polina's got a lot of work to do living up to Raul Allen's reputation. Uh, but Matt Kent has a lot of work to do with this issue, too, because this issue is basically the connective tissue that's going to lead us into the Valiant, quote, beyond initiative, unquote which is Valiant's next new series of books, including the um, Bloodshot Project Rising Spirit title and the new Faith book. I think it's called Dreamside. Uh, And it probably won't have much to do in terms of setting those up, but it's definitely going to have a lot to do with setting up the new Livewire book from Vita Ayala, as well as uh, Raul, Raul Allen and Patricia Martin on art. Because for anyone who's read any of Harbinger Wars 2, or I guess read the first issue, or I guess read a summary of what it's about, uh, Livewire has made some questionable decisions that she needs to explain and or atone for. So it's going to be interesting. I can't wait to see how this closes out. Um, So what about you, Mike? Well, I, I, let me ask one quick question. Since I haven't yeah. read any of Harbinger Wars 2, sure. do you think that's going to be necessary for me to read leading up to the Livewire book? Because I definitely want to check oh, that out. Livewire is like that's... one of my favorite Valiant characters. Oh, me too. Totally. Um, that's a great question. Uh, offhand, I would say I feel like there's going to definitely be some lead-in. It's just a matter of how much... Okay. But I guarantee Livewire number one is probably going to begin with some sort of blurb or summary that will at least do right. a semi-decent job of 
putting you in the right headspace. So that's probably true. I mean, I, Valiant is pretty good about that, especially with new number ones when they've ha- just had an event. So okay, maybe I don't have to worry about it. I'll probably grab this book eventually, like in some sort of sale. But um, yeah, that's that's good to know. Anyways, for for me uh, this week, I am going to fall right back into my standard step and pick Extermination number three. This is the big X Men event that's going around trying to get rid of the original five with a huge weird series of twists that honestly i think was a pretty good build-up by marvel and the x team or the x books on the whole does the title like of the extermination does it have like a massively oversized x i'm just guessing from my experience of course it has to of course it has to this is anyways (laughs) so this this story this is ed brisson uh with pepe laraz on art uh i will say like i said the the Build up to this has been pretty interesting. We've been seeing Rachel Gray starting to revert back into her feral way. And if you don't know anything about Rachel Gray, the one thing you need to know is that she's from the future, um, an alternate timeline where she is the daughter of Scott Summers and Jean Gray. Um, but they've died, and she has become like this mentally controlled hound where she hunts down other ex or mutants and kills them. Um, she broke free from that life. And she traveled back in time to live in the current timeline where things aren't nearly as bad. But she's, that, you know, she's still haunted by that and by the Phoenix Force. Um, over a and slow by other time, continuity issues and Jesus. continuity issues. Uh, but uh, you know, in in the buildup in X Men Gold, Rachel has been reverting back to that feral form, and she's been having a lot of flashbacks or flash forwards, I guess, to that time when she was that <laughs> she was that hound. And it all has come together in this extermination book. Um, And I won't really spoil it because it's really interesting. But I did write a quick little poem that I'd like to read uh, (laughs) uh, about this book. Uh, This is Poets Corner featuring Mike Rappin. Let's let's It's a small thing. You may be familiar with the style. It's kind of an homage to an old tale that I would say as a child. But let me... Xander, put some nice music in for this. As I lay me down to sleep, I pray Ed Brisson my soul to keep. And if the original five X-Men die before I wake, I pray Kelly Thompson my soul to take. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. that's how I'm feeling right now. Uh, this this whole thing with Ahab, who's the villain, who's from the future that Rachel's from, uh, it's really, really weird. He's a bad, bad dude. This The twist of this series being the question, who killed Cable? Like... Has, has been really, really good. I think the reveal that we got at the end of issue one was fantastic. And the buildup, even t- like after the second issue, the X-Men don't know what the hell's going on. They know they have a big bad guy named Ahab. They know that Cable is dead and that someone killed him. And they think it's all linked together. But we, as the readers, don't. And I think that's one of the best ways to tell this story. Um... This book, I don't know if it's good or if I just have a problem, but I'm enjoying it so far. I think Ed Brisson is killing it on this book. I think the story is written really, really well. The characters that he's picked to involve in the story are really good. And the original five are just dumb trash children, and I cannot get enough of them. So uh, I'm seriously disgusted with my love of these X books, but nonetheless, I continue. (laughs) That's how I'm feeling about things, guys. You know, it's going to be a really good week. We're here for you. Thank you. For our show this week, we are talking about crime comics. In fact, the actual title that I wrote down in our notes is Crimey Crime Crime Comics. 
So get ready, folks. We're talking about true crime comic books this week. Uh, Nick, Kate, and I sat down and we read a hand, like a couple of books that we knew were true crime comics written by some folks that we thought are pretty impressive. Um, one book in particular that we all read was Green River Killer. Nick and I read Torso, and then we thought we were going to try reading From Hell, but we realized <laughs> that book is so big and massive that we uh. couldn't bring ourselves to do that. But nonetheless, we did want to talk about true crime comic books and why they're such a fantastic medium and ask the question, what draws people to true crime stories in general? What's so fascinating about them? So to start, I mean, Nick and Kate, what did you guys think of The Green River Killer? This is a book by uh, Jeff Jensen with art by Jonathan Case um, published in 2011 at Dark Horse. Question yeah, mark at the I, end of that let's, sentence. Let's, let's, have, <laughs> let's have Kate go first because, uh, you know, I've read this before. Mike's read this before. So I'm yeah. really interested to hear, you know, from someone who actually has never read this before. I think what best summarizes my experience with this book is a chat transcript from last night with the one Nick White, which I will read to you now. Oh, fuck. What did I Me. say? <laughs> when I have deeply disturbing dreams tonight, I'm blaming you, Nick. That's... That's what I hear from a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is really good in a way that makes it deeply disturbing. Um, oh, totally. I, I really liked it. I should put, put it out there that I like true crime stuff in general, true crime podcasts and nonfiction books and stuff like that. So it was up my alley to begin with, but then it is incredibly well done. Um from a visual storytelling perspective and I thought was creepier for having no music to get get you in a kind of different sense like it's just you alone in your dark living room it's silent definitely being watched by those beady eyes so <laughs> what that wasn't you guys oh okay <laughs> <laughs> I read to this double book. check the locks yeah I read this book in the dark on my phone at like like a, I was at like a bachelor party with some friends and at night I just paged through this. What? I told my, listen, I was like, I was looking for something to read. Nick had been telling me about this book and I was like, yeah, let me, let me try it. And little did I know I was going to stay up till four in the morning finishing the book. I figured I'd just read like one, one issue of it. No, I read the whole damn thing in one sitting. So Kate, I get you. Reading it in the dark by yourself is a weird, weird experience. Yeah. Especially with nothing, like no noise. I think that was what, I was trying to figure out what made it creepier for me than something like watching the Netflix series Man, uh, Manhunter. And I think that's it, that there's just the silence, that it's just all in your head, you know what I mean? Sure. Well, I mean, the the difference between, I think, something like Manhunter or even like, I don't know, like Torso, right? Mm -hmm. And I know, Kate, you didn't, you didn't read Torso, so I won't try to compare too hard to it, but Green River Killer is very interesting because it's, a secondhand story, right? And but you're getting the full emotions of the you know the main character, uh, Jeff Jensen's father, Tom Jensen, who is doing the investigation of the Green River Killer. And so you're not only getting like the the horrible crimes that this guy did, but you're also getting how someone investigating it is feeling about it, like their yeah. thoughts and like the way that they perceive this person is almost not being human. And he was like the Green River Killer himself was his name is Gary Lee Ridgway for anyone interested. You know, he was so just aloof about the entire story. It's it's really freaky. Like it just gets under your skin. Yeah, I also did this thing like halfway through my reading experience where I made the mistake of looking up the Wikipedia page 
which has oh, like no. pictures of him. And man, artist did a great job capturing how creepy his eyes are. That like dead stare, you know? Yeah, Jonathan Case. Um, but yeah, I, how did you how did you feel like like did you? I guess the the question I'm getting at is, you know, how did you feel reading this book? Like, did you feel like you were getting a full picture of the story? Because this is this, like I said, this was like a secondhand story. Yeah, no, I definitely didn't, and that's why I think I paused to hit the Wikipedia page because it is okay. Okay. the way the story is constructed. Um, it's it jumps around a lot. Yeah, the the setup is that you're mostly seeing it through the part where he's turned himself over and is trying to get a deal by taking them to the crime scenes of victims that they haven't been able to identify or find yet. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of... And then you bounce back on time if he's trying to remember the one that he left in this part of town or that. But mostly it's about the writer's uh, father's experience as the investigator having to investigate these all these horrible crimes for so you know almost two decades and then spend all this time every day going around with the guy he's been hunting as the guy's like yeah gosh i think it was over here but i don't really remember you know they all run together guys when we're done here can we go buy me some hiking yeah. boots that came on yeah. like, it's just so strange and i think so and i think part of what makes it creepy too is that you, exactly like you're seeing it through his eyes and he's finding it profoundly disturbing but Mm -hmm. also a lot of true crime things are written from the perspective of people who at least in the retelling maybe not so much in the actual living are people who found the person really interesting and so like a lot of the books i've read are by uh forensic psychologists like Mm -hmm. robert riesler has a really good one called whoever fights monsters there's john douglas's book that the mind um, Mindhunter was TV show was based on um, and they're very about the psychology of the killer which they clearly find to be fascinating subjects and they clearly you know obviously hate these people but they're like are as repulsed as anyone else but they are clearly find the subject matter fascinating right and so it's like listening right. to people talk about the subject they're passionate about versus just being a beat cop that had this land in their backyard or investigator, I guess, but detective. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But man, it was it was a ride. Yeah, definitely. Now, Nick, you you've also read this. What are, what was your takeaway from this when you first read it, or I guess on the reread? Yeah, I I think what's really fascinating, at least the the big right from the get go for me, is that this is one of those cases that by all accounts, should be something that a lot of people have probably heard about, but most people have never heard about this. I yeah, think I was one probably, of those people. Yeah, I mean, this guy is um, arguably, I think even Wikipedia said, like, he's the most prolific serial killer in American history in terms of, like, can like confirmed murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet, most people have never, ever heard about this guy, and... So right off the bat, you've got a really a really good hook there. And then <clears throat> what I really like is that I think with a lot of these narratives, there's sort of, whether it's unconscious or not, it turns into being very, oh, I don't know, obviously it's like very centric around this, you know, perpetrator. And it's like, let's look at his childhood and let's, and I think sometimes unconsciously it turns into some weird like veneration of the person. Yeah. 
whether yeah, you can, want it yeah. to be or not it turns into basically like unconscious like worship and you know they they're like oh this guy was a genius or this guy was whatever and i mean sometimes they are but other times it feels like people are sort of applying labels that maybe aren't quite apt mm-hmm. and so what's interesting with with ridgeway is you have this guy who by all accounts is like He's not he's not a genius, you know. I think they said they tested his IQ. It's in the low 80s. Yeah. It's um, the opposite he's of just genius. Very, yeah, I mean, he's he's just very average and like boring and he's not he doesn't seem to have some weird like agenda or obsession or some crazy rooted psychosis or something that people like love to like latch onto. Mm-hmm. He's just this guy. And that's what you think at the beginning, but then as the book goes on, you're like, is this just another layer? And maybe this guy is just actually, you know, he's just fucking with people, you know? Mm-hmm. That, that was the thing that, that really disturbed me when I was reading it, was the entire book felt like he was just playing the police. Right. Like, the, like yeah, he was caught, and they had him, and like they were just like, okay, well, let's go to this place. He's like, oh, I think I remember this, and they go somewhere, and there's no remains, no sense of anything. Or they go there, anything. and it's like, oh, how convenient, Gary. The place you took us to has been paved over. Yeah, exactly. And then they're like, good news, Gary. We'll just spend thousands of dollars to tear it up. And then Gary's like, oh, can you do that? And then they're like, Gary, it's a joke. Yeah, yeah. We're not it, going it, to do that. He, that was the thing. Like, it felt like he was trying to hoodwink the police, and he was... Be, in the way that he's portrayed in the book, it seems like he's doing it very stone-faced. Because obviously well, we're not... Well, it turns into a second game of cat and mouse, Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what's... That's what's. I mean, I say that's what's genius. I mean, it's 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 a real life. It happened. It's not like, oh, what a clever yeah. plot twist, Jeff Jensen. No, this happened. You yeah. Know, but... And the thing, that, the thing that really got me about that is it, at the end, like Tom Jensen, you know, the, the writer's father, he he felt just like destroyed by it. Like, if it, it seemed to me like this just was the most anticlimactic way he could have solved and ended this case to, for him. Like, he, it didn't feel like a win for, in, in the end for me. It, it was just like, shit. And then we found the guy, and he f- showed us a few more murders, and nothing really came of it. You know? Like, he was convicted already. They'd already caught him with all the DNA evidence. It was like, they just, he wanted some closure. And we kind of got it with the one, with the one woman in the story. But, uh... Mm-hmm. But still, it, it it felt like such a downer ending, and and I I can't express enough how good that was. Like what yeah. a great portrayal, um, because I truly felt sad at the end of the book. But man, oh man, like it's such it's such a roller coaster ride as you feel like this guy is just trying to pull one over on the cops one more time, and none of them want to fucking deal with it. They're all just like you son. Like it almost feels like they're on the edge of beating the shit out of this guy. Well, it's weird because it, it inverts like so many expectations, like. With the, with the typical narrative like this, you find out who the bad guy is, and then you watch the cops try to chase him, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. the whole focus. And in this book, basically, I, I love it, the juxtaposition on one page, um, uh, Tom Jensen's like, how long is it going to catch take to catch this guy anyway? And the next page begins with 19 years later, and yeah. it's them <laughs> catching him, like, right away. And you're like, holy fuck. And what's so fascinating about this story is that like so much of the meat and bones and like the curiosities of this tale are in between um, catching him and and taking him to court. It's all of this weird stuff of like trying to get the secret plea deal and taking him out into the woods and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just really, really like that the story is so much more focused around Tom 
about his family, what it does to his family, what it does yeah. to his friends. Um, I like that we have this main character who's also not like, not like a, 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 and not that I don't like this stuff too, but it's not like the true detective thing where it's like, I've been on this for 20 years and the only thing I know how to do to stay alive is shotgun beers and shoot up heroin in the <laughs> one mattress. That's the only thing in my, in my apartment, you know? Right. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's ruining my life. And it's like, Tom Jensen's he's kind of like a weird dude. He's kind of a cheesy dude. Right, You know, right. he has a picture of his son from Man of La Mancha, I think, on the side of mm-hmm. his on the side of his cubicle mm-hmm. for inspiration. And I love when the guy's like, you know, oh, well, what what would that be if one of your sons was in Cats or something like that? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beyond that, I just really like that it's, it's not gratuitous. Um, there are images that are chilling. There are definitely, this is definitely not a book for kids, but it's not like, yeah, but it's not like lurid. I don't see it as being like, you know, really disgusting or really, um, playing things up. Yeah, they don't, well, and with cases like this, you don't even need to play things up for them to be super gratuitous. But, and I think that's what a lot of true crime material does is they go for the shock value that is inherent in these cases. And that's just a cheap gimmick and feels, I don't know, dirty. Um, yeah. At that point. I mean, and that's, and that was something that kind of showed up in Torso. Like, Nick and yeah. I both read this, and Nick was <laughs> giving me play-by-play about, like, this is so bad, this is the dumb part, Mike, just you wait. Uh, which was which was funny, because when I did get to the, the parts where it was kind of, like, cheesing over the top, I was like, yeah, okay, that's pretty, pretty rough. And so Torso, for those of you that may not know, is a story written or quote-unquote executed by Brian well, Michael Bendis. Written, written and co-written by Brian Michael Bendis and Mark and Draco. Right. Right. It, it published then, by Image Comics in 2003. It covers the Cleveland Torso murderer um, and the efforts of the famous lawman Elliot Ness and his band of quote unquote unknowns to capture um, the torso murderer. And the case was truly never solved. And it's interesting because the story is very heavily like a based on. It's not a true one to one telling because I think things that were that happened in the I think the twenties or something 30s. or thirties uh, yeah. are pretty hard to retell from scratch. But Bendis does a solid job of at least recreating some scenes, some key points in the story using photos from the time to depict some things, adding speech bubbles on top of real life photos from black and white. But uh, it very much feels like he was trying to go for some shock value in a lot of the book by you know showing actual photos of of skulls and and other things and it's not like gratuitous by any means but it, it's creepy and it's weird and it doesn't necessarily feel as well executed as something like the green river killer where you're getting like really good story beats um because i think on the whole like torso did have a good job of trying to tell this six issue story and he hooked you at the end of every issue um but it did feel a little bit more fictionalized than you would probably expect for a book that's supposed to be a quote-unquote true crime story. Yeah, the moment that book all of a sudden was like, hey, guess what? We're going to do real crime scene photos. I was like, whoa. Yeah, it was a, it was a bit much. And beyond that, like, I I, I can't believe uh, Nick White said these words once in 2018. Like, I respect the hustle of Brian Michael Bendis when it comes to this book. Like, sure. I, like, the fact that he's like, I want to make this, and I want to see it on, like, a shelves, and I want to get this out. But, like, hire an editor, hire a real <laughs> letterer. Don't try to do lettering yourself, okay? And well... <laughs> 
It's the guy's just trying to publish his book. He's you know he's yeah. pushing really hard. He this is one of to, his first books that he he was the artist on. He was everything because he couldn't yeah. pay anybody. You know he was uh, a broke guy yeah. in Cleveland. To be fair, he does have his credit for his art as executed by M- Brian Michael Bendis, which right. is at least maybe some somewhat accurate because otherwise. Unfortunately, a lot of the interesting information and good dialogue is sort of sidelined by um, bad lettering efforts, fonts that are hard to read, um, just um, thought, not thought bubbles, but just conversation bubbles that drag on from like the top of the page all the way down. Oh, yeah. It's peak um, Bendis. You can peak see a Bendis. lot of his. Yeah. And you could see a lot of the bags of tricks of like recycled panels where he can like pages and pages of recycled panels. Um always trying to get silhouettes instead of having to draw faces if you right. can you know um contor- like moving panels like next to other panels they're they're both the same panel but he'll like crunch the size of it and just move it to the right or to the left to give the illusion of like movement or, sure. or whatever when in fact it's the same thing you end up there are points in this book where you have to start turning the book around like it's like a fucking steering wheel because he has these dumbass panels that just spiral Whoa. and spiral and it's like look if you're jh williams and the third and i'm reading batwoman and that's what you want to do and that's great that's fine brian michael bendis don't put me through the ringer okay i don't need it <laughs> wow wow nick i mean i i didn't find that necessarily too offsetting except for the part where i was reading it digitally and i couldn't literally turn my monitor so i had to if you read, read this book in guided down. view you'll die Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so I guess the, the the reason I bring up the comparison is simply because I think this is the difference between like a well-executed cri- true crime story and a, probably one that wasn't greatly executed. I think in the end, Bendis definitely brings us to a conclusion point that's interesting, but it feels very wrapped up with a bow. Even though the story goes unsolved, we do get a half of a conclusion. Um, and I and I, I shouldn't say that like that's the reason why I felt off-putting, because I think unsolved murders is like a whole thing, right? That's the thing you get in true crime in general. But um, the, the way that this story wraps up kind of feels a little bit too well-ended in a weird way, even though it was unsolved, and that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But um, I, I, I guess, Nick, I, I want to if you have any final comments on the book, I do want to ask another bigger question here. Yeah, sure. I mean, overall, I would say if, if people are, are sort of interested in this stuff, I would say go with Green River Killer. Um, I would even say for people that feel like this genre, this very sort of niche subgenre, if, if they feel like this isn't really their thing, I would still say try Green River Killer because for me, it's still very much a story about like family Mm -hmm. Um, and still very much a story about, um, you know, it feels like it's, it, it does feel like a hero's journey in a way. And I think that that, that has value. I would say if you're not already interested in true crime stuff to try my friend Dahmer first, since that's, that's, that one is also very good, but is less like intense. (laughs) Yeah. That my friend Dahmer has a very like softer feel even though mm-hmm. the story is far more gruesome in a lot of ways yeah. th- it does feel less like harsh and creepy 
even though yeah. Dahmer himself is a creepy, creepy dude. Um, but but the you know, Kate, you did bring up before that you listen to a lot of podcasts and you you read books and stuff like that about true crime. And Nick, I know you do as well. Um, I think you're the reason I listen to true crime. That's not last podcast on the left. So you know, I think the the question I want to ask you guys is, what do you think draws people to these types of stories, or at least what draws you two to these types of stories um, compared to like fictionalized crime books, like Criminal or or something like that? Uh, I mean, because I the other books that I was thinking of that we could potentially talk about but i really don't want to go in depth in them because we've already spent some time on this was like road to perdition or history of violence and those are both based kind of on true stories but you guys you guys are a little bit more into this i think than i am um what brings you to these stories like mine hunter was a big deal why were you so into that i think there's the whole uh, mystery side of things but also the psych i think i mentioned that i read uh, have read a lot of them by psychologists and I think that part is what has always interested me the most and it's where Nick and I differ in that I don't really care much to listen to um, or read about crimes that haven't been solved because the part that I find most interesting is how did someone end up that way and what made them do those things like that whole psychological evaluation piece of it and that's obviously what you can only get um I mean, you can get the profile and stuff, but like really get into and uh, after the person has been caught. And so that's what I find more interesting. Um, I know Nick, from me trying to get you to listen to solved crime podcasts, <laughs> has, mm -hmm. has expressed zero interest in that and that the um, that you just like the mystery of it, right, Nick? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it is a good question to sort of ask like why, like what is the appeal? Because certainly if you look at, um, just the modern podcast pod podcast landscape right now, like this stuff is tearing up the charts, like all over the place. Right. Um, and I think that is a good question, and I do think, um, the mystery part is definitely part of it. I think that appeals to a lot of people. Um, I think certainly like serial kicked off this sort of feeling for a lot of people mm -hmm. that not only is there a mystery, but for some, depending upon how you feel, there's actually a potential to elicit some amount of change or uh, get cases re-examined or things like this. And if you maybe go look at Up and Vanished, you can see similar threads going on there. So I think mm -hmm. that's part of it. Um, I think what's very different about a lot of these shows is that some of them are very carefully organized and scripted and they're like, this is going to be six episodes. And then there are other ones where it's like, I'm going to go look into this case, guys, and who knows how long this is going to, you know, this is going to be or how well it's going to be paced. Right. Um, and and the, the quality, you know, can, can differ so much, but... Yeah, I, I think a lot of it's just like a mystery. It's it's like the appeal of, of a serialized mystery, which is uh, something which has existed across all sorts of media for, for decades and hundreds of years even, and that's something that people are into. And I think what's unique is that in the modern age, there's just a whole new take on that um, because of, of social media and, and the speed at which people can interact and, and transmit and share information Right. Um, there's just a new, like the reaction speed today between, you know, fans and experts or like you're, you're talking on the show about something or whatever. And then you have a listener who's like a, um, 
psychiatrist or something and so the, you have a question about like you know medications that someone was on and that person can just shoot you an email and all of a sudden you're getting expert information or whatever i think that that's so radically different now um than it was you know even maybe 10 or 15 years ago when people would just sit down and watch unsolved mysteries on tv you know? <laughs> right but so in so what is it that draws you to this kind of stuff i know you made you just made a big giant blanket claim about yeah. a lot of other people but for you like kate says she's into like the psychological side and solved cases but for you is it is it more about the mystery then yeah i think it's probably some of it's like the mystery i've always been uh, a fan of <laughs> not necessarily a subscriber to but someone who finds the ideas of you know conspiracy theories and 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 all of that stuff to be interesting like i said i don't subscribe to the ideas but i find the fact that people are creating them uh or or formulating them to be um to be really you know really interesting so nick fancies gotcha. himself an armchair sleuth that's what yeah, it comes yeah, down yeah. to yeah we're i've yeah i think that's it i think uh you know that's probably part of it <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, that, and that's all right. I mean, for me, the the thing that drives me to this is like when I was when I was younger, like in high school, um, I don't know what it was. It's just my group of friends were really into just the the mystery and the like ridiculousness of serial killers. Like, sure, from like a weird, we're able to stand a thousand feet away objective right. standpoint. It's like, isn't that so weird that someone would do this thing? It's like we're talking about murder and all this other terrible stuff, but we're seeing it from this weirdly objective standpoint of like, huh? I can't believe someone would behead somebody and then put their head on a pike and stick it out in front of their lawn for birds to eat it. It's like, but that is that is terrible. That's awful. <laughs> um, and I don't. I think that that feeling has gone away and now i'm kind of just like well i remember hearing about you know the btk killer uh but uh <laughs> btk killer is a little redundant but uh, i remember hearing about btk what's actually happening about that and then i listened to the last podcast on the left and they just make fun of him ridiculously to, to the nth degree because he's such an idiot um and it well then if you think about btk i'm gonna just go on a little tangent here if you think about no, btk right. as a killer like he was this guy's like pay attention to me i'm a serial killer and the cops were just like we're just gonna catch you and he's like but i'm so aloof and i'm so s mystical and they're like we're just gonna catch you dude um it, anyways listen to lad last podcast on the left's like take on that it's very very funny um but that kind of stuff like really like makes me chuckle because they you know when people break down these these you know serial killers and stuff because that's the kind of story that i'm more driven to is that idea of serial murder for some reason and <laughs> Uh, I don't know why. Sure. <laughs> the, 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 the stories about it, I, to me, I find fascinating. Um, but yeah, so I mean, like, I was in London. We went on a Jack the Ripper tour just to, like, hear about it um, because we were there. And that stuff is just, it's just intriguing to me. Um, it's absolutely terrifying when I actually sit down and think about it. <laughs> but uh, when I have a smile on my face and I can sit safely in my apartment, you know, far away from the world um, to a certain extent, I think it's it's very intriguing stuff. So that's what draws me to it, which is why I like, you know, I, I've read some crime comics. I've read, you know, I've read Criminal and stuff like that. I think that those are interesting. And like crime in general, like heist movies and all that kind of stuff. If we're talking like a blanket statement, not just murders, you know, that kind of stuff is very interesting to me. Um, because we always like to hear about someone that broke the law and got away from, got away with it, like you know, your Ocean's Eleven uh, or something like that, to give a bad example, but uh, or Italian Job, if we must. 
But yeah, I don't know. It, it, the, the shame is, I think, here that there isn't a lot of these comics out there, right? There isn't a lot of true crime comics out there that are being published to like the masses. Um, I'm sure that, and we kind of talked about this in the break, but uh, you know, there's probably a lot of stuff being published under smaller publishers, but I, I, I'm not aware of it. Uh, and, well, and I, we if there's other stuff. too. We had a hard time finding more than a couple. Yeah, and we didn't well, want to necessarily frustrating because like you'd go, you'd find the page for torso, and it would be like for fans of Green River Killer and From Hell, and mm-hmm. you're like, all right, thanks, fuck you, and then you'd go to the page for From Hell, and it would be like, hey, for fans of Green River Killer and Torso, and I'm like, I think I know what's going on here. Yeah, guys. it's, it's like- just like three or four <laughs> true crime books that are out there, and I think that there's more. I think that those ones are just some of the more popular books. Um, there's probably a lot more out there that we may not know about or by published like very very by very very small press um that you have to like get from the city that they're published in or something um but again if if any listeners out there know of anything please send us suggestions because we're obviously very interested in that kind of stuff know of anything about like the books like we're not saying like come to us to report like (laughs) activity okay exactly That's not what this show is. But yeah, for. I mean, the, these kind of books they 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 are interesting. I think it's it's trying to find a combination of not being celebratory of these stories. I think that comes with true crime in general, right? Is it's not trying right. to oh, celebrate sure. the crimes, but it is trying to document them in a way that is interesting to keep the reader reading. Uh, I think that I mean, again, that goes for comics, podcasts, all that kind of stuff. Um, which is again why I'm, I'm just to go back to last podcast on the left. I think one of the things that they do really well is they spend and they spend a lot of time saying like by no means do we think that this is cool these guys are stupid and they're terrible humans but let's talk about how dumb they are and then they go into the whole thing or how clever they were and why they got caught or something like that um i don't know if your shows do that i only listen to comedy podcasts because that's the only way i can digest it (laughs) i can't handle the episodes about true crime on last um Last podcast in the list left. I listened to all their paranormal ones. Well, not all of them, but a lot of the paranormal ones. That's what I find really oh, yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, my God, the Bigfoot episode. Like, I couldn't <laughs> breathe. But yeah. I when even though they're, like, making fun of the person, I still am like, oh, man, but these were real people that got killed, and it's a comedy show, and I don't think I can handle this. Right. I got you. I mean, this kind of harkens back to what I was saying before. Like, I had this weird teenage experience where I just read a lot about all Uh these different things. So, like, I have this ability in my head to just kind of turn off empathy for a second. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Okay. Okay, Kidding. 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 I'm kidding. (laughs) Anyways, I I, I guess... uh, do you guys have any other suggestions? And maybe not comic books for folks that are interested in these types of stories that do a really good job of documenting um, crime in general. Do you have any like books or podcasts that you'd recommend to folks? In the Dark is a podcast from Public Radio about mm-hmm. the Jason Wetterling case, and it was done right after the guy confessed. So it's actually a retrospective looking at everything basically that went went wrong or was done wrong, done wrong mostly in the case. Um, about every it's a big textbook case example and everything you shouldn't do in a one of these kidnapping um, cases and it's really interesting really well done uh, really high production value and really really well researched Um, and they actually just had a new update about it now that a new guys and but they kind of tie it to the broader issues of our criminal justice system and the flaws flaws in it and 
things like that. And But also very well balanced in the sense that a lot of crime shows that do that don't in the sense that they also go, okay, but why is that the system? What would be a better system? Okay, well, the reason it's that way is because the alternative has all these flaws. Um, you know, like the whole gotcha. why we elect sheriffs or don't elect, like if they're hired in, then you get the cronyism thing. If they're elected, they mm-hmm. have often no skills. Like it's this whole um, thing. So they do a really good job. I would recommend that one. Cool. What about you, Nick? Oh, gosh. Uh, so many. Um, I'll just list a few here briefly with maybe like a f- like a like one sentence blurb. Um, Dirty John, which was done by the L.A. Times. Definitely listen to this show. And I know this is a stupid temptation, but do not Google this case. OK, just listen to the show. It's like six episodes. It is absolutely fucking insane. I don't want to say anything more about it. It's not a huge time commitment, but don't Google it. Okay. Um, what else? Uh, Someone Knows Something. That's from the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Uh, each season follows a different case. Uh, this might be my favorite show. Uh, it has a wonderful host in David Ridgen, who's very um, sympathetic and understanding. He's very good at getting people... Um, he's very good at relating to people and empathizing with people and mm-hmm. not, you know, exploiting them or putting them in uncomfortable positions. He's a fantastic journalist. It's a great show. He's the best host of any of these ones that I listen to. Um, Unravel by the Australian Broadcasting Company um, is about uh, sort of a mysterious death of um, an Aboriginal kid, I think in the 1980s in Australia. That one's really good. Uh, the Teacher's Pet is fantastic. This is by the newspaper, The Australian, and it's about um, a mother who goes um, missing, and it's more or less pretty much widely decided that her husband did it but um the police have screwed a lot of stuff up and it's sort of a look back at the case like 30 years later that one is amazing great journalism there i think it's hosted by headley thomas um really well researched um cool i would Uh, say the other one i would just throw out is death in ice valley and that is a collaboration between nrk which is the norwegian news channel uh in the bbc uh and it's about the mystery of the eastall woman and if you want to read about one of the most fucking insane mysterious cases that might involve like a like a, a east german or ussr um, spy like going around in like Norway to like maybe like spy on missile tests during the Cold War and ending up with like dead with like uh, a bunch of pills stuffed down her throat and what? like all of her clothing <laughs> has the labels cut off and all of her um, medical like bottles have the labels torn off and like all of the labels from everything are it's oh my god it's like if you want like crazy spy conspiracy real life tale go check that out it is bonkers okay and i well, mean that in like we'll get, the most like respectful someone died way right we'll yeah. we'll we'll get those and put them in the show notes um yeah <laughs> i didn't expect you to have so many 
just ready to go. I mean, Sorry. Th- this is a. Uh, it sounds I wrote to me myself an email with these, so I oh, okay. prepared. It sounds yeah. to me like Nick only listens to official broadcasts by the government, so you can't trust no, him. Th- no, these <laughs> I'm, are kidding, just, I'm kidding. I'm giving Nick, you the I'm good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I, I, I've already plugged mine. My last podcast on the left. Kate, I'll give you a chance to throw in a cut any more if you had a few, but otherwise, I think we, we've gone on for very long on the show. So if you have a few more, feel free to throw them out. Not off the top of my head. I was. I did not come prepared with with okay, that. There's no definitely worries, more I listen no to, but well, we'll gear up some of those from you, and we'll put them in the show notes, regardless. Um, but yeah, this is this is a really interesting topic. I know we were we kind of talked about before we started recording about maybe going into why there's not a lot of nonfiction, non biographical comics out there, but maybe that's a whole other topic for a different episode where we can tackle that whole subject because I think that's a really interesting question because we do know that there are some some other like non-fiction books out there that are not biographies um and we could probably find a few of them but well maybe we'll do that in another episode so let's wrap this thing up uh you can follow us all on twitter you can follow kate at kate scotchless you can follow nick at death star plans and you can follow me at mike rappin on twitter and you can also follow the show at ircb podcast where we retweet stuff we post polls like this week's poll or last week's poll i have a poll out there but i can't remember what it is and i didn't write it down so i'm sorry Beyond that, go ahead and check out our official Goodreads group, where we have semi-weekly threads, and we also have our book club that is ongoing. We are currently reading Mouse, and I believe we are still currently, I don't know if at the point when you hear this on Wednesday, we are still nominating books for October? We are. We will be. We will still be. We won't be at that point? post the polls today. Oh, the poll goes out today, Okay. All right, there you go. Beyond that, go check out our official website, ircbpodcast.com. We have a merch store that is up and running if you want some sweet threads or stickers. Uh, And we also have a pronunciation guide uh, for those of you who still find yourself saying Jeff Lemire. So... (laughs) Don't forget to rate and subscribe to the show. Um, if you rate and subscribe, more people are going to hear about this show, and we have better rankings, and more people will find the show. This is the best podcast out there. Go rank it. Go rate us on your favorite podcaster website, probably iTunes, though, because we need the rankings, people. We do. Also, how great would it be if we rose to the top of the true crime category? <laughs> and people are like, you know what? This podcast is a crime, a crime against my ears. Um, <laughs> just kidding, Xander. We love wow, you. Wow, that really rolled off the tongue. <laughs> yeah. Email the show about that terrible joke at ircb at destroythepsybe.org. Please subscribe on Patreon at patreon.com backslash ircbpodcast for exclusive audio, early access, and other cool stuff capital cool uh you can also check out infinity shred they're the best band in the universe they do all of the music for the show they're the absolute coolest dudes in the world xander he's a fun kind of guy who does stunts in his backyard he also edits the show i want to say thank you to kate and nick for being on the show this week and reading these crazy com or crime comics i also want to say thank you to the listeners you guys are the best you're the coolest people to talk to on the internet and hopefully we will see you at cons this upcoming year i'm going to be at new york city comic con this upcoming october and we're going to probably be at c2e2 i'm pretty sure we're going to c2e2 this upcoming year so if you're not sure which convention you should go to this year make sure it's c2e2 so until next time be the person that superman would want you to be